Welcome to the Chantal Hyde Canada's Dating Coach Podcast, where you'll learn to love and be loved. Come understand how powerful you are and share in our common experiences so that we can all grow together. Like Chantal loves to say, let's do this. Welcome, Dr. Taylor Burroughs. Am I saying your last name right? Yeah, Burroughs. Sounds great. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. So, doctor, you are a psychiatrist. Int- no. <laughs> introduce us to you. Tell us who you yeah. are, please, my love. You can just call me Taylor. No, no formalities needed. My PhD is in marriage and family counseling. So that was in, I think, 2014, not that long ago, but I did retire from practice. So I used to be a licensed mental health counselor and a licensed marriage and family therapist, but I retired in 2019 when it was just really hard to work online at that time. Things have kind of evolved a little bit since, but life is so much better now. So I'm just working independently as a consultant and coach now. Right. And we are here today because you feel that the no kissing for three months dating rule is manipulation. (laughs) Well, I'm only going on the way that it was presented. It was a, a comment that you left on my friend Adam Lane Smith's page and I think what it was was um I don't know anything about the context behind the no month no no kissing for three month rule but the way that it was worded it sounded manipulative so I wasn't assuming that I understood all the background but I was going on face value of what I read if if you were to um sort of nutshell the gist of what I said in that comment sure what was your what was your interpretation of what i said it sounded like you like not you but a person would want to sort of make this arbitrary rule of not kissing for three months so that the man could start to feel like he's earning you and like the vast that's what it was taught the context was vast oppressed and bonding for Adam Lane Smith's post. And so you were saying that achievement was one way that he could have this challenge to overcome, which would be like a vasopressin and dopamine release, uh, helping him bond to you. And so your example was this three month no kissing rule. So the way that it was presented, and it's obviously just a little snippet, sounded very manipulative to me, because if you want to use these sort of tactics to get people to bond to you, which I'm not saying that's what you're saying with your three month rule, but that was what I was responding to. And like, I don't like, I I don't know. You have to explain to me what the whole background of the three month no kissing rule is for me to comment on that. Yeah. So it's not about getting somebody to bond to me because I don't want to bond with the wrong person. And I definitely don't want the wrong person bonding to me. Good. Yeah. I think that's fair. I'm not trying to get somebody to bond to me. Mm -hmm. And and it's really not about the other person so much as it is about me, about my mental health, my emotional well-being, my bodily integrity. So when I I, I choose a partner, a long-term partner, somebody for the next 50, 60, 70 years, right? And we go into choosing a long-term relationship in this culture with the intention of keeping them. So if I'm going to keep somebody, it has to be somebody who is going to be aligned with my desire to maintain my mental health, emotional well-being, bodily integrity. So they have to not be a liar because I'm going to suffer if they are. It's going to hurt. I'm going to find out the hard way if I'm emotionally invested when I find out, right? So kissing sex leads to emotional whether we like it or not, right? If we were having sex with somebody, because you've seen as much as I have, all these women who have sex with the friends with benefits and then go, how can I get them into a relationship? And it's because of the frequency of the sex, the movement in the birth canal, creating that <laughs> excess of oxy, movement in the birth canal, you and I both know, creating that excess of oxytocin, bonding her. So if you take a friends with benefits and you do it over and over again, you're probably going to bond and want a relationship versus if you do a one night stand, not keeping that person. So the person I I want to keep has to be good for me. Oh yeah. I mean, I agree with you on that. Like I call that vetting. So I teach people vetting. 
yeah. which is different from dating. And that's where people get confused when I'm saying don't date strangers. They're like, well, how does that work? Like at what point do they not become a stranger or they graduate to being familiar? And I said, it's not about timing. It's not about how much time, but it's about the quality of your experiences together. And so yeah. what I teach people is vetting happens when you're just single and you're friendly, <laughs> you know, you have no ties to anybody. You're not dating anybody. You're just single and friendly and you get to know people as human being to human being. Now, once you start to develop feelings or interest for someone, whether they're in your friendship circle or your family knows them, or you share some kind of hobby or interest together, they live in your building or in your neighborhood or whatever, then that's when you start to, to vet more deeply and you might be having phone calls, texting, video calls. But what I try to tell people to do is to wait and not rush to the first date. Because once you have like a, seri a series of one-to-one -one intimate dates, you're dating. And that can be very confusing if you are you know, trying to be on the more conservative side. So most of the women that I work with are on the more conservative side and they wanna be exclusive. So this is where you know, it sounds like there's common ground. They wanna be exclusive with the person that they're dating. So if you're just sort of meeting up with a lot of different men in, in dating multiple people, that gets very complicated. So when, with the women that I'm working with, they do not go out on dates with a bunch of people. They're vetting, they're getting to know maybe multiple people in the beginning, but they don't actually go out on dates until they get more narrowed in their focus and then in their focus. And then once they start to date someone more regularly, then they would sort of pick that person exclusively and then escalate it to, if they want to be sexually active, only under the assumption that it's exclusive sexual activity. Yeah, and that might take three months, that might take six months, that might take a year, who knows? Yeah, and I, I like putting a timeline on it because it relaxes the brain. Because when we're in, admittedly, we're in a culture where what women are told to do is kiss and have sex and then find out who they are. So kiss and have sex and then get the data. And the methodology that I teach no kissing for three months data rule is get the data first, which is something you're talking about with that, with that pre-dating process. You, yeah. And I've seen in your platform, you talk about phone calls, FaceTiming, making sure that you're, you're having conversations, like actual conversations, not just texting before you're showing up in person. Yeah. And so what I teach my clients is with the no kissing for three months data rules, no kissing, no sex, no sleepovers, no exclusivity. You know, I say, if you want to know somebody respects you, then use a methodology where you got to show me respect. Otherwise, you know, like, like if, if you don't respect me, I'll find out because you're, you're going to push against my boundaries. You're going to try and force that kiss. You're going to, you're going to try and make an excuse to sleep over when I've told you there's no sleeping over. And the reason why I set a timeline is because in this culture where we are expected to kiss to see where it goes, we are clearly letting them know, I'm going to see where it goes first. And if you're the right one, I'm going to kiss you. Now, this part, this time where we say, see where it goes, if I don't set a date, then the question that's overwhelming us during this time is, is it time now? Is it time now? Is it time now? Is it time now? So if I use a vague language, like see where it goes, or until I feel more comfortable, or see if we could be friends first, then the question is a time now is a time now is a time now keeps popping up and interrupting the flow of of voyeurism basically right of me vetting of me observing and then i'm also wondering is he going to lunge at me in some random moment because he thinks oh she's got that look on her face and i should do it now because the moment seems perfect and if i miss this opportunity she's going to think i'm a simp and she's going to think i'm weak and i'm going to lose it and so i need to jump on her now because these guys are also being told by male pickup artists if you don't move in she's going to think you're weak and so i don't want him to make a random lunch Mm -hmm. I want to let him know, listen, December 4th was the date of our first date. So January, February, March 4th will be the date of our first kiss if we want to kiss and start a relationship on that date. In the meantime, we get to know each other and figure out whether or not we're right for each other. 
So because I've, such, I've set such a clear guideline, there's zero confusion about my process, meaning there's no pressure. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any problem with creating structure. Um, I think that, you know, that's a per personal preference, but I understand the rationale behind that because structure allows for that comfort. Um, you can kind of re relax into it. And I totally get that. My only issue was the way that it was framed in the comment, which we don't have to belabor that we're talking now and our understanding of each other now is more important, but I'm clarifying what I thought was manipulative was specifically the, the way that it came across Cross, it sounded like you were not you, but that a person would be doing it to like in like a male pick, pickup artist would get a man to do something tactically to get a woman to like him. It came across that way. Yes, because I use the word earn, right? And and that's I, I've been a stripper for 20 years, so I've sat on a lot of men's laps listen to a lot of men talk right just like you have in like not not sitting on men but like in your practice you see a lot of people come and talk about their problems and those experiences I mean in a way it's almost better than university because there's so much experience that you're gaining in those moments there's so much knowledge and insight that these textbooks aren't giving you all these case studies right and so for 20 years, I really got a very clear understanding of the difference between a selfish short-term thinker, who I call a guy or a girl, um, or a generous long-term thinker, man or woman. And there's distinct character traits that help you understand the difference between the two. And one thing that I understand about men, generous long-term thinkers, is they have really great work ethic, right? They have great work ethic. Like the people you want to, you would want women to be with are the ones who have really good work ethic. People who have strong work ethic are people who are proud of what they achieve. They're not afraid to put in the time and the effort to achieve something. And mm -hmm. so if you want something like, I'm not saying guaranteed, but a better chance of it being a solid, long lasting relationship, Pick the man who's proud to have earned your heart. Now, I understand like the premise, like from what Adam was talking about was the vasopressin, was overcoming challenges together. And so yeah. I teach that too. I teach couples to go through interesting things together, real life crises and happenstance or whatever it is. Like, don't just go and go to dinner or, or go to coffee or, you know, those sort of boring classic uh, date scenarios. Like actually do things together, traveling, uh, going to like escape rooms, going to, it was a October when one of my clients took their new person to a haunted house. And that was great. They bonded over the fear of going through the haunted house together. Uh, whether it's putting furniture together or, you know, lots of different things that you can do that introduce that challenge and bonding happens when you overcome like adversity together. And that's really important for men in particular. So I get it. And I, and I don't disagree with that. So I think it's just a matter of semantics and perhaps like the way that it was interpreted from my end and, and maybe other people too, but I think that's kind of like a moot point. You know, I, what I think is important is one, being true to yourself, like you said, finding out what matters to you and aligning with someone who likes you for real, not just what they can get from you. Whether that's the man getting something from the woman or the woman getting something from the man, because usually a woman is contriving a lot of, situa of the situation to try to get commitment from the man. And so I kind of work more with men than I do with women. I'm pretty much in the sweet spot, which is part of my branding. So I advocate a lot for men's position, but also for women's position. And I try to bring them together in a happy medium. And I see it from both angles. And so I try to, to, to just make sure that I call it like ethical dating, yeah. right? Like that people are really authentic and they're aligned and they're being transparent and they're not being manipulative which I think is just whether I don't think you meant that but that was my point is let's right. not be manipulative in the dating process 
Absolutely not. Because like, uh, first of all, and, and that's, again, another thing about the no kissing for three months dating rule is this commitment before data. Um, it's, it's manipulating people into relationships that they're not ready to be in because they don't even know if they're a good fit with that person. So our entire dating culture is a manipulation that's actually designed to be a benefit to guys and their sexuality, but is a detriment to women and their mental health. Because, you know, if, if we choose a stranger, what percentage of men out there are super amazing, not abusive at all, um, are responsible, are the sort of men that we should, we should be with? What percentage of men is there? Now, if we pick a straight, let's say, let's say it's 20%. Let's say 20% of the men out there are amazing, super ideal, 80% are. If I kiss a stranger and hope for the best, which is what our dating culture is, I have an 80% chance of picking somebody who's detrimental to my mental health. So this whole culture of committing before knowledge is in itself a manipulation. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. I, the, the modern dating is a shit show. So I, I'm not show, I'm yes. totally on the same page with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think uh, a lot of people will put the cart before the horse, <laughs> rush things along, jump ahead. And I actually have this sort of undating thing, like I was speaking to before about not dating strangers, but a lot of my clients like, have to sit on their hands because they're so not used to being impulse alone. Because oh, hmm? they're not used to impulse control? Well, I was just going to say, they like to be out there and yeah. like having FaceTime with people to feel like they're doing something constructive towards finding a healthy relationship. And so learning that a lot of it is an internal process of resolving whatever's going on with you, your attachments, your trauma wounds, like the list goes on. But you know, all of that stuff with relationships that we're all, you know, at some point, either in the past or now, we're hoping for is the outcome, the natural outcome of of really just improving yourself and getting to a place where you are happy and healthy and stable. And it's going to be a lot easier to attract that person when, you know, you don't have to be a finished product, but it's so important for you to do that work as much as possible beforehand. And then have a stricter like boundary between who you let in. So mm-hmm. the vetting to the way, the way I, I teach it sounds similar in that way, because it's a, it's a stricter um, boundary that you don't let a lot of people into your life unless they have some of these fundamental things that you need for a, a life partner. Yes. And one of the things that we really weed out so easily is people who think, because we, you know, we we're talking about challenges earlier and how, you know, kind of going through challenges together can bond you. And I certainly want to, you know, when, one of the things that I talk about in an ideal partner is somebody who can work through problems with me. And I want to know that you can do that before I select you for a long-term partner, because I want to know if we can work together because this is a partnership. Um, and, and so with the no kissing for three months data, what I weed out is people who feel like getting to know me is an obstacle they can't overcome. In what way? How do they that's too long. Right? Three months is too long. Um, and, and so the lack of patience or lack of desire to get to know me means that getting to know me is too much of an obstacle. Oh, well, I don't see those as necessarily linked. I think getting to know a person takes time and it takes effort and it takes consistency. And that's really important to genuinely be interested in getting to know someone. That's how you know if they're really connected to you and it's not just some fluff or some kind of hormone, you know, catalyzed that's drawing them to you because of attraction. So if they're genuinely interested, then yeah, absolutely. They want to understand you not to manipulate you, but they want to understand you because you're of interest to them. And also so that they know how to, how to, how to, you know, please you, but not in a manipulative way. Again, it's more just like when you care about someone, you want to see them happy and you want to sort of figure them out. So I don't actually have a problem with the word earn. Uh, I, I think that we both need to earn each other and that it is a team mentality that you have to be shifting into, you know, you have to, and maybe this is an important place to, to mention this, but I see, and maybe you do too, 
I see exclusivity very different from commitment in some cases. Like some people are, are very specific about their values and so they go together. But generally speaking, people assume it's the same thing when it's not. And so when you're ready to be sexually active, whether that's kissing or whatever level of sexual activity, then exclusivity just means you're not going to be doing that with anybody else. But actual commitment in a serious long-term relationship is a whole other layer of depth. And it's, I have some clients that are kind of in that, that beginning stage where they're exclusive, they're serious, but they're not quite yet merged as a team. They don't quite have that depth of intimacy yet. Sometimes it's because they don't, they don't live together or Maybe they haven't done a lot of those uh, challenges together, but there's that in-between period where you have to let that emerge. You can't force it. You can't just assume your you know, future spouses. <laughs> you have to get there in time. So time is a really important factor to allow to develop in and of itself. Right. So are we talking about, so exclusivity, so kissing and sex, and then, and then sort of we're still working our way towards commitment because we don't quite know if this is the right relationship. So exclusivity is just, I'm not spending time with other people intimately. Right. Okay. So kissing and sex. Yeah. So is it, is if you're kissing and having sex before understanding that this is the relationship you want to commit to, if you, if you don't answer this question, like if you don't get the data for this to, to, to know this, to know if this is a good idea or not, and you start kissing and having sex, isn't the danger that you're gonna develop emotions and gloss over what makes them wrong for a relationship. And then when the honeymoon fades off and you start seeing things more clearly, you have this deep emotional attachment and connection to the person because of the kissing and sex, remember the oxytocin, right? So- Well, I think it's, it's a little bit, I don't wanna be pejorative, but I think it's naive to, to think that you can't have oxytocin and vasopressin and all those hormones released. You can't isolate them completely. You just have to be aware and integrated. So I teach a lot about integration as well. Right. And in the process of ex determining whether you're exclusive being the first step, it's a type of commitment, right? Like, I guess it's an agreement yeah. uh, that we're not going to be intimate with anybody else. I'm not gonna be going on dates with other people. I'm gonna be exclusively giving you my attention. So I wouldn't even really say it's, it's, it's just like, if you were gonna write a list, like we're exclusive with kissing and, and sex. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, it's, that's too specific. Exclusivity means I'm not, I'm not going out with anybody else in a romantic way. Right, I'm giving you my undivided attention here, but that's different from committing in a relationship. Exclusivity means I'm rejecting other people who wanna to get to know me. Yeah, I'm not going to be having other options. But I don't know yet if this is the right person. Yeah, that's, this is the process that you discover. Well, if why did right I reject my ideal person? Pardon? I mean, that's what I teach. I talk about the ideal partner and the ideal relationship. But the vetting, like let's say in the very beginning, before you decide you're exclusive with someone, maybe yeah. there's like three or four people, whether you're a man or a woman, and you're vetting. Right. And so you're getting to know people, you're, you're doing your recon, you're triangulating information, you're gathering data, you're looking online, whatever you want, all the different forms of information that you can gather about someone. And then you have a front runner and that you actually really like. And it's already been maybe several months. So you've gotten to know them, you know, a fair bit. They're not like a stranger anymore. So you decide to go out on a date with them. You go out on a date with them and you confirm what you already suspected that this is the person you wanna focus on. I call it focusing on them. And so from there, if you decide it's gonna be a routine thing, it quickly gets to the point where you're like, well, I don't want to kiss or do any of this unless we're, we're exclusive to each other and we're just giving each other that attention. And so that naturally evolves. You have the conversation, you establish that exclusivity, everyone's comfortable, and then you organically let the relationship develop. You don't necessarily, you know, assume that it's going to be the, you know, the future husband or the future wife until I would say at least you want to call numbers, right? At least six months to a year before you get to that point. I don't advise anyone propose before a year. No. I think that's too soon. Yeah. I, my timeline is no kissing for three months, no living together for a year, live together for a year before marriage and engagement. 
Sure. Yeah, I have no problem with that longer timeline. I think it's like I said, it's probably a lot of semantics. But to me, I see exclusivity and commitment is very different. And it there's a you know, there's no set timeline because everybody's different. Every context is different. Some people, you know, they have a lot of they're very you know, they're close to each other. So they see each other more regularly. So that can happen faster for them. Or it could be people that are kind of far apart, or they're very busy doing different things. And so it takes longer for them to develop that intimacy and awareness to determine if it's the right person to fully commit to like we're a team, whenever we get invited somewhere, we're assumed as a couple together, like that kind of needs to happen uh, over time, again, like it takes time to, to, to reach that point, I think. Right. So with your methodology, I'm wondering why I reject this person before and give that person exclusivity. So exclusivity, and then there's commitment. Why am I giving exclusivity and rejecting somebody else if I don't have enough information to know whether or not this person is a good choice for a long-term committed relationship? I find when women are dating multiple people, it does a whole number on their mental health. That if, they're, it, if they're like talking or kissing, having sex with multiple people. Whatever the case may be, if you're creating attachments with multiple people, that mm -hmm. is very confusing for a woman to navigate specifically. Men, they're not as problematic, although I do think still dating multiple people, unless it's like very above board, they're transparent, it's something that's agreed upon, they have more leeway. But generally speaking, women have a harder time when they have multiple attachments. It's very confusing emotionally for women to navigate multiple attachments. And what I find with men and women, specifically men though too, I find them when, when they are dating multiple people, ethically, they end up putting the people in this false dichotomy. It's like they compartmentalize and they're like, well, this person's really good at this or we have this. And then you have this like, smorgasbord, if that's the word, like a buffet of different things that you like. And it's very hard to choose because you're forcing yourself to compartmentalize. And what you need to be looking for is the whole package. And so you can't really find that unless you're focusing on one person at a time. Like if this person doesn't work out, then it's great. You already have been, you know, honest and transparent and the communication has been strong. You can say, you know, it's just, it's not working out for me. Like, I feel like we've had a really good run at this, but it's kind of, you know, run its course. And I think that we would be better off like leaving things, like ending things here. And then, then you're single, then you vet, then you can vet 10 people if you want to until you decide who you want to date. So that's how I suggest to people. Yeah. And like, and for me, like the no kissing and the no sex, it's like, yeah, there's going to, be some initial excitement when we first meet each other that's it's a procreation drive like we're eyeballing each other and mother nature is going oh I like that jinko look at the symmetry there right and so we have like a procreation drive when we first meet each other and you, you talked about how difficult it is for women to see multiple people if they're forming attachments and that's why we do the no kissing no sex no sleepovers because it reduces the risk of attachment to the wrong person before we figure out whether or not they're right or wrong. And the reason why we do no exclusivity is because why would I reject that person before I know who's the right person? I don't want to read, because if I give exclusivity before I know you're the right selection, I give you exclusivity because we're still, we're still working it out. We're still figuring it out, but I'm not quite there yet. I don't know yet. I don't have enough data yet. So I'm going to give you exclusivity before I have all the data. That means I'm going to reject this other person. But what keeps me from making a mistake here by accepting this one and making a mistake by rejecting that one, why don't I talk to both of them if I'm doing no kissing, no sex, no sleepovers, no exclusivity, and not overly connecting? And then when I see who's who and I have a good understanding, three months minimum, let's let the patterns come out, right? Because we talked about trustworthiness before, knowing who they are. If we give enough time to see those patterns emerge, doesn't that give me an idea whether or not they're a good fit here for commitment? 
Well, it sounds like you're, what you're just described is what I'm calling those beginning stages before you're dating, right? So when you're just single and friendly and you're getting to know people, but then you use the word rejection, right? So I don't see it. I don't think the same way you do. So when you're just talking to, to people as human to human, and you're just being friendly and social, you're not really rejecting someone. It's not like some cold cutoff determination. No, but it's like, to... no, no, I can't have coffee with you because I gave that one exclusivity. Right. But this is what I'm saying is that if there's no, no expectations, no anticipation, there's no attachment developed, you're just not pursuing that or they're not pursuing you and you're not receptive to that. Right. So if this one doesn't work out, doesn't go all the way, then you go back to that person if you want to. There's no like harm. There's, it's like all water under the bridge. It just, it's very, I don't know. It's like inconsequential that you didn't end up dating that person because you were just a single friendly person at the time. And timing, like I said, timing is such an important issue. So you could have a really great connection with someone you're attracted to that you have a lot of compatibility with, but timing just doesn't put you on the same page at the same time. And you can't force timing. And so you, you, know, you, you go with what is presented in front of you that you're drawn to for the right reasons. And you, um, what's the word? You verify that it's a, a true connection and compatibility. And, you know, sometimes that means that you take a different route and then you go back to something or somebody else resurfaces later on because the timing starts to align. And usually that's because you've done some work on yourself. Uh, but yeah, you, I, I think that is, I don't know if that's a different issue altogether, but I think that's part of it because sometimes it's just, it's just the wrong timing with someone, but at a different time, you could go back and you could make it work. You could discover that that's the right person for you. Right. Yeah. A lot of talking that we need to do, right? This is why I say saying don't occupy their mouths. Let them tell you who they are because because eventually, right? Because you and I both know there's a presentation. What you're getting in the beginning isn't who they actually are, which is why we both agree it's important to do a lot of talking before actually deciding whether or not this is a committed relationship based on knowledge and insight, the data you've collected. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it is 90 days that that they say is the average until you can really know a person. So, I mean, I, I believe that I think it's usually longer because I know I've worked with people as a retired mental health professional who don't show you their instability for a year or years. So you really want to do your due diligence and collect that data, make sure that you know the person. And uh, that takes a lot of yeah, a lot of investment. <laughs> uh, see, I love this. We, we, we really truly are on the same page. I really do think that it was just sort of like a misunderstanding of what the nature of the no kissing for three months dating was about. It's, it's uh, zero manipulation on the other person. It's simply me managing, effectively managing my environment by not allowing somebody who's a liar, a cheater, toxic, you know, like those, listen, most people don't hide it well enough. And so if you give them three months to show you who they are, they know they're not hiding it well enough. They know their manipulation isn't going to work. They know they're not going to get what they want when they want it. So some of them are just automatically going to pull back. Yeah. So thank you for taking yourself out of the way. You facilitated my dating process. Some people will try and manipulate, but we're going to let them talk. They're going to hang themselves eventually. And then you get, you know, sort of like the worst of the worst, the ones who are truly very nefarious and they will hide it for a year or 10. And so we won't see it for a really long time. But just because you got in your car and put your seatbelt on doesn't mean you're not going to die in a car crash. So taking precautions is the best we can do when we're faced with an environment filled with predators. Sure. I think we have to we have to do that due to diligence for sure. Um, I don't know if you wanted to wrap up, but I did have one point. I thought yes, maybe we could, we could touch on. Um, I think it's like maybe manipulation, there's different interpretations to that too, because manipulation can be more insidious, right? It can be more duplicitous and, and hidden and subtle. 
Whereas um, control, I think a lot of men, especially that I work with, they, they're, they're put off by women who are too controlling. And that, especially from their past, they've been with a lot of women who were controlling in previous relationships. So when they get sort of this sniff of like control uh, tendencies, that really puts them off. But that's different from a woman with clear standards. So it's a nuance, right? But it, it's important for like if someone, let's say they're totally naive to, to what you represent and what you intend, but the impact on them was to just use it as a control mechanism, right? I think that would be where it goes wrong, right? Um, because women can err on the side of being too controlling for their own interests. And I don't know if you wanted to comment to that, but. Well, the, the, the premise, the foundation of the no kissing for three months dating rule is freedom. I'm not gonna let a stranger come into my environment and say, now that I'm here, your search for the right partner ends because I control your time and your exclusivity and no one else can talk to you. So I'm not letting somebody control me. I'm taking control of my destiny, my body, my environment, and who I'm going to allow access to me. That's what I'm in control of, not anybody else. And when I use a no kissing for three months data roll, what I tell the people is I'm not telling you what to do. You're free to do what you want. I'm using a no kissing for three months data roll because I want to make sure I choose the right partner. Yeah. I mean, if you are saying it, I mean, at least you're being honest, but I know a lot of the men that I would work with or that I work with would be like, oh, no, this woman is not for me. And I, like, I get that. Let me, Taylor, let's role play just for a second. You're the man, okay? And I'm the woman. Now, we, we've done some phone calls. We've done some FaceTimes. We like each other enough to meet up in person. And so we have our first date. Now for me, it's beverage and a walk because I like to keep it easy breezy. And if he's gonna be generous and pay for me, and at the end of the date, if I'm gonna say, sorry, no thanks, I don't wanna see you again, at least he only paid $8 for the date if he paid for me and him. And I wanna give him that consideration. I wanna make it inexpensive because for me, it's a vibe check only. And I might say, I don't wanna see you again. So I don't wanna pick a date that's expensive because I wanna be respectful of him and his time. And his resources. I don't, I'm not a taker. I'm a contributor. So I understand this is just a vibe check. I understand he might insist on paying. And so for him, I make it inexpensive. Now we have a really great date. We, we pick up our bubble teas. We go through a funky neighborhood. We have great conversations. It's oh, so stimulated by our environment. I enjoy his companionship. Now, partway through this date, we sit down on a bench and I put my hand on his arm and I stroke his arm and I go, you know what, Tim? Your, sorry, your arm. I go, so, so we're sitting on the bench and I'm facing you. And I put my hand on your arm and I stroke your arm and I go, you know what, Tim? I really like you. And I really want to see where this goes. But I'm using a no kissing for three months data because I don't want to start something with somebody I don't know well enough just to find out they're not the right fit for me. It's a roller coaster that I don't want to go through. I don't want to put you through that either. So I'm using a no kissing for three months dating rule. No kissing, no sex, no sleepovers, no exclusivity for three months. Stroke, stroke, stroke on the arm, right? That touch, because it doesn't matter what I say, what matters is what I do. So I'm going to touch him when I do this because I want him to understand I like you. I just want to know who you are first. Now, what would you say to that? Would you be offended by that? Well, if you're not going to be exclusive in that sense, like it, it's, you know, obviously we're not in a position where we've come to that yet. It might be inconsequential, but knowing that if you like me, but you want to go out with other guys, that's going to come across as incongruent or inconsistent to me. And perhaps even like sort of depicting, articulating this rule and you know stroking my arm kind of comes across a little bit a, a little bit manipulative to me but see there's some people that are just not sexually active right they'll say I really like you I like where this is going how do you feel I think it's time for me to tell you I don't have premarital sex I'm a virgin or I had a boyfriend before but I don't want to have sex again until I'm married 
that person still has to decide, are they willing to invest in that relationship with someone? And that's totally okay. The difference though, is that they're not going out with a bunch of other guys. And that is where the incongruence is gonna be bothersome to some people. And where I see it as, I, I just have a thing about casual multiple person dating. That's like a hard no um, in, in my perspective. So yeah. And I so that, I think this is where we diverge because for me at the end of the day, it's let the best man win, let the best woman win. And I want to be with somebody who's confident enough to go, you know what? Fair enough. You don't know me well enough to make a decision yet. You don't know me well enough to give me exclusivity and reject other people who might be better than, than me for you. I don't want to be so selfish that I hold you back from the best place you should be. Um, and, and so that's the kind of person that ultimately I want to be with is the one who says, you want to make the best decision for yourself. Fair enough. Let the best man win. And, and me on the other end of it, I don't want to hold Tim back from Tim's best partner. And if it's not me, I would be selfish to say, choose me over somebody better than me for yourself. Well, that comes across as just pitting men against each other and like a competitive thing. And that's going to really speak to the man's hindbrain but it's not actually what a healthy man wants. A healthy man doesn't want to compete for your affection. A high value, healthy man expects you to have undivided attention for him. Doesn't and I think that's the reason. Understand that the competition is happening. And, and why does he think, and this is where we have to fight back against a dating culture that says, don't pick the best, pick the first. No, I just, I mean, I disagree with that. So I definitely am not saying that. It's not the first, it's the best. It's just the way, the method of how you pick the, the best right. is different the way you do it and I do it. So I have I, I, after a few conversations in one or two days, how am I picking the best? Well, I mean, if you're talking about in isolation, a person who's never met anyone ever, then obviously it might end up being the first, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about real life where we interact with people constantly. We're going to yoga, there's guys there. We're going to coffee, there's guys there. We're, we're doing things. So if you are a healthy, high value person and you're living a good solid life, you're going to be interacting with the opposite sex constantly. And so you're getting to know people, the more, you know, you're drawn to them, the more you're interested in them, you're going to be having conversations, you're going to be talking online, you're going to be seeing their social media. So once you have, you have all this data, if anything, modern age is an overstimulation of data from multiple sources. So I, I teach people that it's really important to quieten all that clutter and noise and focus on a person when you get to the point that you know that's where you want to invest in. Mm -hmm. And I just don't say it's three months, that's it. Okay. I mean, I, it could be six months, it could be a lot of different time periods. But when you know this is the person you want to invest in, you're going to forego other people and not multiple date, like a lot of dating coaches suggest. Yes, yes. And, and I, think, I think we agree then, that definitely comes with knowledge and insight. For me, it happens at the point where I know this is the right choice for a committed relationship. And so uh, for you, there's, there's um, exclusivity, but still not yet committed. And, and for me with my clients, it's get the data. Are you right or are you wrong? Yes or no. If this is right, obviously there's more information to gather after three months, right? And I say three months is the minimum um, because, you know, like, it's it's out there it's out there this is why corporations use three months it's like we know the patterns are going to emerge you're going to be on best behavior syndrome but then the patterns are going to emerge and so i say to my clients minimum three months because of that but you know because there's more understanding to have i say don't say i love you before six months because i love you is something based on a deeper understanding of each other so mm -hmm. i'm going to decide if you're good for a committed relationship by doing that due diligence 
which is not just taking what you say at face value, but getting into your life, meeting your people, introducing you to my people. My people are part of my vetting process. They might see some things that I missed. When mm-hmm. I meet your friends, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask them some questions to make sure what you say is the truth. If you said you want to get married, I'm gonna say, so uh, what makes you think Mike would be a good husband? Mike get married. You know, what makes you think Mike would be a good father if he said he wants kids? Because I want kids. What, Mike have kids, right? I need to make sure what's coming out of your mouth is the truth. Absolutely. I definitely fully, fully 100% agree with that. I think one other thing that I would say between the, I definitely believe that men and women are different um, and that we need to see that as a good thing, a complimentary thing. And one of the, if not the most important thing a woman should have and as an asset that she brings to the table of a relationship is her loyalty. And so if she is going to be spending time with other men, that really deteriorates a man's ability to attach and trust you. So with men, it's a little less of an issue. I'm not saying we want disloyal men. I'm just saying women are made a little bit differently and we have other priorities that we're looking for. And so a man should be ethical and transparent and and figure out who he likes as well, but it's just on a slightly different timeline. And so for a woman, he really wants to know that you can decide that that you're going to be loyal to him and you're capable of doing that without needing attention from other men. Because that's kind of what modern society has really done to women is made us like just dependent on attention from like so many different sources that when we are by ourselves or focus on one person, we're really talking to still, not me, but or people that I work with, but a lot of women are still just talking to several men and they don't understand what, what actually a commitment is and what that requires, having boundaries around all those other relationships and communications. So I think it's a, it's a really good way of assessing a woman's capacity to be loyal. Mm. I'm definitely not interested in somebody who demands my loyalty before I have relevant information of whether or not he deserves it. Definitely not demanding, but it's something like you said, what you're looking, what a woman is looking for from a man, a man is looking for different things from a woman. And Mm -hmm. if you're going to be going to these family events and like vetting his, him through talking to his family, but then next week you're going to Bill's family gathering to talk yeah, to them. I need to meet Bill's family too. Because yeah, that, the best one, the best that's one. like the bachelorette. <laughs> but I'm not kissing them. I'm it not, doesn't matter. Like to me, I I'm think not that- giving them ownership. And, and I communicated that from the very beginning. And if they couldn't like, if at any point they can't handle the fact, because I stick to the fact that I'm not picking I'm not picking somebody because of their insecurity. You're insecure that I'm going to make sure I pick the right person. You don't like that I'm that I'm I'm going through a process of meeting people, talking to people, vetting people, getting to know people. You don't like that competing thing about it because she's coming to my thing, but she's going to hang out. And by the way, he doesn't know specifically what I'm doing because I don't owe him details of my personal life. I've simply let him know I'm talking to people until I find the right one. So commitment doesn't happen until we figure it out whether or not we're right for each other. And if that's his peace out, I'm out of here because I don't want you to do that with me. I need exclusivity because I showed up. Um, that's not the person for me. I want more confidence. Absolutely. I don't, I mean, that seems like you took my words out of context. I'm not saying you show up so you get my exclusivity. I said several times you spend months getting to know someone and then you decide who you want to invest in. And that goes both ways. But in regards to sexual, physical contact and emotional attachment, I, I don't think that even if you're not having physical, sexual contact, you're still creating an emotional attachment. And if you're going to be having multiple emotional attachments simultaneously, from my experience as a retired mental health professional, that does damage to a woman. And it also is gonna push away high value men from their potentials. At least the men that I work with, they wouldn't be okay with that. So that's just my opinion that I'm expressing to you so you understand where I'm coming from, but I understand that you're coming from a well-intended place. And I think that's gonna work for some people, but that's why we have so many dating and relationship coaches out here so that we can all attract the people that align with our values. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm I'm definitely protecting myself against that that deeper emotional attachment by not kissing and having sex and having sleepovers. So this this sort of you know because because if if I if I have if I kiss and have sex, it heightens the emotional connection, irregardless of who they are, because the chemicals produced are amped. They're they're higher. Right. Those, those. But this is the thing with the whole vasopressin thing, right? Like women are more charged with oxytocin. Men are more charged with other things like vasopressin or dopamine. And if they're going to be going on trips together, meeting family, they're going to be bonding to, to the woman, right? The woman might not be able to bond as much with the man because she's holding back, you know, all of this. But see, this is where it gets confusing because it's like, She's holding back, but at the same time, she's meeting a bunch of people. And that, that to me just seems really incongruent and I get stuck on that. But even in the case, if you remove the um, sexual physical contact, you are still developing emotionally, mm -hmm. like emotional connections and attachments with people, especially if you're being put in situations like that, where you're meeting their friends and going on trips and doing all these like real life adventures together. So yes, sex and kissing enhances it, mm -hmm. but that does not mean that you're not building attachments to someone, but then you're also building attachments to other people. So, I mean, that's where I kind of hit a wall. <laughs> I, I have, I've, I mean, if I, if I showed you the, the picture from my 50th birthday party, you're going to see a bunch of people that I'm attached to. So my attachments to a lot of people doesn't diminish me in any way, shape or form as a person. And in fact, can enhance my life. And maybe some of these people that have gone through the vetting process and I've attached to might end up being really good friends of mine down the road um, because they're so amazing, but maybe it just didn't get to the, you know, maybe they're super amazing, but the chemistry did, you know, maybe that initial attraction died down, but their personality is incredible. So I just don't want to kiss and have sex with them and start a relationship because I'm not feeling so, uh, you know, it's a good thing I didn't kiss him in the beginning because that, that chemistry wasn't lasting kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so I, for me, it's not so weird that I'm gonna get to two months with somebody. Listen, people are gonna come, people are gonna go. There's people that are gonna come in, they're gonna drop off, right? And you know this, you've probably seen this happen, right? People get it to the eighth date and follow up. People get to the fifth, people might get to 15th and then drop off. And so, you know, that's why I do like the no kissing, no sex, no exclusivity, because I, I'm not gonna hold myself back from vetting and understanding who somebody is. I'm gonna have guardrails in place so that I don't, get overly emotional about them, build a castle in the sky, get overly connected to them, overly excited beyond the data that they're actually showing me. Um, and so just staying really grounded in reality, but also not saying no to other people who want to get to know me just because I'm, in, I'm partway through the process with somebody. Yeah, it just sounds to me like the female PUA version, like from a not the same thing in a female, but like the opposite, like the, the compliment, right? You pick up artist. Right. So in, in the female dating strategy being like, I want to have my cake and eat it too. And then the male dating strategy is spinning plates, right? What? Spinning plates, cake and eat too. I just want to, I just want to talk to people until I find the right one. I, I agree with that. But what I'm saying is yeah, well, we know like at one point, I think you should not be talking to other people and you feel you should continue to talk to other people. But it, what I'm trying to compare it to is a man will contrive a situation when he's dating in order to protect his emotions, in order to serve his interest. And that tactic is called spinning plates. I don't know if, if everyone watching or is familiar with it, but it's basically just keeping your options open and juggling a bunch of women at once. And this is not an ethical way of dating. So low value men who think they're alpha will pursue this method. So this, I'm not saying what you're describing is women doing that. What I'm saying is this reminds me of like a woman's version of it because she's protecting herself from attaching too early. Because every time I bring this up, it's like, but I don't want to attach to someone, you know, and get hurt. So to me, this is a fear-based behavior. Instead of actually 
being able to give something, sacrifice something very valuable because you're not, you're not really losing an opportunity with someone better, but you are making a, a level of a, of a promise to someone that's kind of like on good faith. It's like, I'm going to focus on you and we're going to focus on each other and see where this goes, see what is, what develops, what is the truth of this connection? Not what do I want it to be? What, not what am I compulsively or impulsively hoping it will be, but what is the truth of our connection? Are we friends? Are we a short-term fling? Are we you know, future spouses. And so in order to, to uncover what is the truth of that connection, you have to give it undivided attention. And I know you disagree, but that's, that's yeah. my Yeah, because I think there's so much that we can find out that answers those questions before kissing sex and exclusivity. Oh yeah, I agree with the kissing and sex part is fine because you, everyone can like, they can be celibate if they want to, but it's the exclusivity part that I have a problem with Yeah, because if someone is not, if someone is celibate, like until marriage, they're, they're abstinent until marriage, you know, then they're, they're not having any kind of physical intimacy with anybody, but they still can choose to only give their attention to one person. And you wouldn't do that prematurely. You would do that only after you do your due diligence. But yeah. once you do that due diligence, you say no to other people because you're you're agreeing to focus on each other to see what develops. Yeah, yeah. So you know, again, the, for me, that happens at commitment, not exclusivity, and then commitment. Um, because exclus exclusivity and the commitment. This reminds me a lot of this very confusing place that a lot of women were in when I came on to TikTok and started talking about the no kissing for three months Daniel. rule. I just did a story about this yesterday because it struck me that I haven't heard or haven't seen women talking about the kissing, not the kissing, the talking stage and how confusing it is. And the talking stage being what they called kissing and having sex and being exclusive, but not being in a relationship. And then at some point in the talking stage, having a conversation about whether or not you're committing to each other. And so they found this all very confusing. And sure. it's, it was so hurtful to a lot of them because what they would get is, no, I don't want a relationship. Well, then why were we kissing and having sex all this time? Only for Absolutely. you to turn out and say, I don't want you for a relationship. Why did I invest? Like, look at me crying Absolutely. because I'm so broken hearted that you don't want me when I gave you everything. Well, and this is why I say it's a personal choice, whether you're going to be sexually active or not before whatever you want to call it, commitment, marriage or whatever. But the difference is a lot of those people that you're talking about or referencing aren't vetting and they're not really that self-aware. They're just sort of jumping in and flailing about to see where it goes based on feelings. Vetting is a very different approach. It's a like not dating, you're vetting. And yeah. so you're having these conversations with people, you're aligning on values, you're talking about the deep core issues, values, principles, life vision, lifestyle preferences. So all those things are on the table, you're transparent and you're both what I call, which we haven't talked about yet, outcome independent. And I, it's one of my main concepts about you, what I described before was revealing the truth of the connection. So that's outcome independence because you're not forcing it to be anything in particular. You're revealing it to see, revealing what it's meant to be. And you both have to agree to that. And so it's like, yeah, I really like you. I see we're very compatible. Uh, we're exclusive. So let's reveal what this is. What is the truth of what we have here? And not forcing it to be a committed relationship uh, or holding a carrot on a stick to get them to get that to put a ring on it in order to then get the whole package or whatever yeah and one of the things that I like about setting a timeline also like three months is because you know there's people out there who manipulate you who'll be like yeah let's see if she, let's see if she puts her money where where her mouth is right oh because because also one thing that we've seen is that there are people who say I want to take it slow and then in two weeks they're in bed and so um, there's guys out there, like if I said, I want to take it slow, I know that I'm going to come across guys who'll be like, yeah, listen, I just want to hit it and quit it, but let me see if I can wear her down and get her in bed in two weeks. And so when I say that I'm using a no kissing for three months dating rule, they kind of go, Ooh, that's, that's, you know what, like, pff, I'm out of here. So they just quickly take themselves out of the equation. 
Yeah, and, and if we want to translate it into my language, it's exclusivity. If they're not willing to, to agree to exclusivity in order to kiss or whatever, then they walk away too. But they want exclusivity because they, they want me to give them, like, like they'll agree to exclusivity so that I'm exclusive, but I still don't know if they're a liar. Well, I mean, you're doing your vetting supposedly, right? So if you're doing your due diligence, then you already know that you can trust yeah. this person. You've developed that familiarity. You have that emotional intimacy. You have like different data points to gather that within reasonable doubt. So once you decide that you're exclusive, that's when you get to see if are they willing or not when you decide, but when you present that, people who are not willing to be exclusive will say so because you've already verified that they're trustworthy. Yeah, you and I have the same catchphrase, don't date strangers. I say, don't kiss a stranger, don't, don't kiss a stranger and hope for the best. You're like, don't date strangers. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think it's just like a different word at a different time or in those things. But ultimately, um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it, those are very important messages for women out there, men out there to receive too. Um, and they're not, not everyone is encouraging them to wait and find that stuff out. So I think it's all good. Yeah, I think you and I are delivering a very important message in today's culture. Agree. <laughs> Taylor, do you have any other questions for me? No, I think we covered a lot, actually. How long have we been talking about? An this? hour. Oh, <laughs> there we, go. we made it. Time flies when you're having fun. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I've been, it's been great just chatting with you and getting to know you a little bit better. Too. Where can people find you? Instagram is my favorite platform. Um, so it's at Taylor Burroughs on Instagram. YouTube is at Dr. Taylor Burroughs. And so I have, I don't know, I think it's like almost 200 videos on YouTube. So I've been there for a while, but I've slowed down on producing videos. I produce more videos on Instagram and TikTok. TikTok, it's at Dr. Taylor Burroughs as well. Awesome. Thank you, Taylor. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. You too. I appreciate you. And I hope you have a good rest of your evening, Chantel. You too, lovely. Thank you for being here. Bye. Bye.